Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode six of the Pinstripe Pride podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and I'm going to be riding solo today because uh, my buddies Jackson and Vin have some obligations that they're, you know, tending to. So it's going to probably be a shorter episode today, but still got quite a bit of stuff to talk about after the four game set with Cleveland. I mean, you'll take a split, I suppose, at this point in the season. I mean, if we play 500 rest of the way out, I think we're still on pace for 101, 102, something like that win. So you can't really complain too much. It would have been nice to take the series because they took the they took two out of three from us earlier in the year. But it is what it is. Um, before we really get into the breakdown of the series, I really want to talk about the umpires. I mean, this is two two times in a row that. Judge is trying to get the day off, and I get this time he actually did get the day off. But Guardy gets thrown out for essentially doing absolutely nothing. I mean, I get that he's banging his bat or whatever, but that's, I mean, unless someone finds out otherwise, it's not illegal for him to do that. And Judge is just trying to relax. I mean, you got to think he's probably thinking, well, Guardy just got thrown out. I better get going. Instead, we throw Tyro out in the outfield. He ends up pulling a hammy or whatever. And, I mean, just situations like that shouldn't even be a situation at all because these umpires are on some kind of power trip. I don't I don't get it. There has to be something, and there could be some sort of accountability that's going on between the umpires union or whatever it is. But you got to make something public because, I mean, if you listen to Gardner's press conference, the players don't think anything's going on, which is more important than the fans even think anything's going on. I mean, no one's there. No one pays seventy bucks to go see the umpires flex their muscles and throw someone out for not doing anything. Now, if someone you know is coming out, getting fired up, gives you a Boone esque, uh, you know, ass chewing, then okay, I get it. Give him the hook. It's time to go. But he's just out. He's not saying anything to the umpires because he knows that that's more disrespectful than anything. And he doesn't want to have to have that confrontation because he's he knows better. He's been there before. He's done it many times, I guess. And, I mean, previously in his career, he's not afraid to get thrown out. But he understands that he's not trying to get thrown out in this situation. But I don't – I just think there needs to be some sort of public either explanation or accountability or something because the players need to know what's, either what's going on or something because we cannot just keep having the Yankees – Brett Garner especially, just getting thrown out for absolutely no reason. But that's my quick little rant there. I mean, if the umpires aren't garbage, you know, I mean, we still won that game too, so which is good. If we would have lost that game, it would probably have made a bigger deal than it did. But, you know, I guess we'll take the the win even though we had to lose Guardian. I mean, Judge still did get the day off, but RIP to... Tyro's hamstring because I mean man isn't used to playing outfield but that's just it's a bad situation but we're going to move on and kind of recap this uh, four game set with Cleveland game one probably could have gone a lot better <laughs> I mean really couldn't have gone any worse The I mean the only thing we were missing out from game one was Garda getting tossed for no reason really everything else that could have gone bad went bad I mean, we lost 19-5, to which initially, you know, 
had a feeling of, oh gosh, I really hope this is another Boston series from Fenway where they just absolutely ran right through us. But, I mean, when you take a step back, you you can kind of see this coming. I mean, Green finally had a bad open. Um, Loisaga is first significant innings since coming off the I.L. or being reinstated. He was pretty bad. There's zero reason that Chance Adams should still be on the 25-man roster. Not even just right now, just... You know, people don't pan out. You just got to trade him. You're going to have to, I mean, we should have sold him high when we could have, but this is the side effects of prospect hugging because they don't always pan out. And Chance Adams just doesn't have it anymore. I don't know what happened. If it's just New York, maybe he can be successful somewhere else. This is just definitely not the place. But, I mean, overall, the game kind of sucked. After looking at it, this was, you know, they had played 16 games in 14 days up to this point. So, I mean, you could make the argument that they were due for a clunker because, I mean, they really haven't had any days off. I mean, guys are getting banged up or whatever they're playing. I mean, they had two doubleheaders in that stretch. There's excuses, if you want to call them that, there for, you know, reasoning of this happening. But, I mean, it's not what you want. You don't want... Chad Green to just go up and give up a grand slam and then can't even get the next guy out. And then it was just bad all around, really. I mean, we ended up scoring five runs, but, I mean, that's a bad day for our offense, honestly. But we'll move on from that game. It's in the past. We don't want to talk about it too much. It was a bad game. I mean, at least all the other games were good games, essentially, I guess, but... Uh, game two, we definitely responded well, which is good. Tanaka, second, very good start in a row. Six and a third innings, four hits, two runs. I mean, and they both happened to be solo shots, so it's not like he was just getting hit around a lot. I mean, it's definitely good to see him string a couple of good starts together because, man, did it did he fall off the train for a little bit there. I mean, it was bad. But he's definitely picked himself up, and he's... This is, like me and Jackson were talking about in the last episode, it's great to see guys that you know are working on something get results because it's not often that the public get to see or hear about someone that's working on something behind the scenes. And so when you do hear about it, it's really cool and interesting to see that they're having success with what they've been working on. I mean, there's nothing more satisfying as an athlete as when you know you're working your ass off on a specific thing like, this is my weakness, I need to do this to get better and just keep working on it, and then it paying off. There's, I mean, if someone can come up with something else that's better than that, just let me know because from my experiences, once you become successful in what you've been trying to work on, it's almost like, all right, now what next? What other flaw do I need to work on? And that's, I mean, that's kind of the mentality of getting to become a premier Major League Baseball player is, you get good or you master, quote-unquote, your weaknesses. So then now you have other weaknesses. Ideally, it's you're not mastering something but then losing what you were already very good at. So, I mean, ideally, you're just adding layers and layers and layers of skills and talents to be able, especially from the pitching standpoint, to be able to attack hitters with or vice versa from a hitter. I mean, you're working on, you know, hitting that slider away. So then you take that pitch away. So now what are they going to come in? Are they going to come up and in on you? Well, then you attack that pitch. And as long as you're not losing that slider away, then you become very difficult to pitch to. So, I mean, that's just 
great for Tanaka. I love seeing it because, I mean, you know he's going to, for us to be successful in the postseason, he's going to have to go out there and hang his nuts. But, I mean, kind of a quiet game. I mean, it was a 3-2 to win offensively, just kind of did what we needed to do. Nothing where we're, you know, putting up eight, nine runs or anything. But, I mean, Chappie looked really good. I think I can finally say that I'm confident again when I see him in the ninth inning because, he, I mean, he's put together quite a few in a row that, I mean, he's just kind of been nails. So, I mean, all in all, a very good game. It was a good game to watch. I mean, a 3-2, to two, someone on in the ninth. Where Chapp- I mean, Chappie walked the first guy, but then really shut it down. So, I mean, it was a good game to watch. I mean, no one's going to want to watch that 19-5 to five blowout. Even Indians fans probably weren't staying and tuning in for the whole thing, but I don't know. I was very pleased with how we responded in Game 2 and kind of carried over a little bit into Game 3. I mean, Paxton wasn't horrible, but, I mean, he definitely wasn't what he had been. I mean, he's been running out quite a few very, very quality starts. But, I mean, this is one of those, like, if you're going to have a bad start, this is the kind of bad start I would rather someone have than opposed to giving up seven, eight runs in three innings. I mean, five innings, four runs, only four Ks, which was also low for him. So you could just kind of tell he didn't really have his stuff that night. But, I mean, he grinded, ate up a couple innings. I mean, if you can get, like in the postseason especially, that's, I mean, maybe not the four runs is what you're not looking for, but... Five innings, that's probably all you're going to ask from any of your starters unless Tanaka's just going out there and going seven shutty innings. Like In those instances, it might be different. But, I mean, if we're getting to through five complete innings with our starting pitcher, that's a very good sign for us come October. But, I mean, Didi and Glaber, uh, I think it was the fourth inning, they went back-to-back, which really kind of got us going. Then they ended up tying the game, the Indians did, in the top of the fifth, and then DJ had that solo home run to give us the lead again. Then in Glaber, or then in the sixth, Glaber hit his second home run of the game, and that gave us a very much needed insurance run. Because I mean, Burton kind of finally gave up a run. He'd been he's been kind of on a roll. He's on one of those situations like Otto had against uh, the Blue Jays, where it's like, all right, he's probably going to give up a run sooner or later. One run, not too worried about it, but. I mean, that's where that Glaber home run comes in very crucial because if we don't have that, then it's a tied game. Then we might have to, you know, walk off, go to extras, whatever it is. But we avoided that. Um, I mean, Canely was fantastic. I mean, he was electric. I mean, this is the game where uh, Gardy got thrown out, and soon after that is when Canely came in and kind of got that hold. And, man, I mean, he just fired up the entire stadium, not even just the dugout. It was electric to, I mean, even just watch on TV. But, I mean, he was good. Otto was good. Britton, Chappie, they were all really good. I mean, we advanced, I believe it is 22-0 when the big four of Otto, Canley, Britton, and Chappie all pitch, which I feel like is not talked about enough. I feel like that is an absurd statistic. Like, I want to know if there's any other, like, not even four-man set, but, like, three pitchers that, when they all pitch in the same game, if they have had this kind of streak. I'm not really good at, like, diving into too many statistics, like, on fan graphs and all that. I know there's a couple people, like, that are kind of 
really, really good at it. I would like to see if one of those people could, like, dig in and see if there's been any other, like, stretch of when X amount of players pitch in the same game, their X amount and whatever the record would be. Because this year, I don't think, I almost guarantee there's no one else in the bigs that's even close to that with four, like, I mean, let alone even three pitchers pitching in the same game. Like, if you just have your seventh, eighth, and ninth guy, which is kind of typical. I mean, we're, we just have the luxury of having, like, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. But I'm not very good at that, so we'll leave that to the imagination. For all we, for all that's concerned, uh, we're the only team to do that. So, you know, that's fact now. But, so, I mean, after game three, I mean, we at the very least caught the split, which after that first game... You're gonna take for sure, but CC in Game Four, kind of you know coming back off the IL, wasn't exactly what you wanted, especially their first uh, appearance back. But I mean, his his scenario is a little different just because, I mean, he's been in the league for almost 20 or whatever 20 years. He's not going down to AAA to make a rehab a, like start or whatever first. He's just I'm going through my bullpens. And I feel good now, so now I'm going to throw, like in a major league game, which is kind of wild to think that they do that. But you understand, because, I mean, he's earned it throughout his career. But some people said, you know, not sending him out for the fourth was kind of confusing. But, I mean, they said he was going to be on a short limit anyway. He didn't have a great second inning. I mean, that's when he really kind of stuff hit the fan. I mean, four runs, I think, even left the bases loaded. But, I mean, he just thrown a lot of pitches. So, you know, he got back out there. I mean, that's kind of like a rehab assignment, rehab start, I guess, rather. And, you know, you can't really complain too much. It would have been nice to, you know, see him go at the four innings with, like, two runs or whatever. But even four runs, you're thinking that, you know, oh, okay, our offense is going to get going. We're, we'll get four runs pretty easily was not quite the case today. I mean, we went to the seventh, and everyone was kind of like, "If we get, there's no way we're about to get shut out. I mean, we haven't been shut out in 208 games. But, you know, the always faithful you know, hero of DJ LeMayhew goes yard for the second time in as many days. He saves us all the time, and he, now he's just saving things that don't even really matter. I mean, he saves our uh, shutout streak or or the lack thereof a shutout, anyway. But, I mean, on the bright side, we didn't fold. I mean, it was 8-2 to two going into the ninth. you know. There's, I mean, I'd say the majority of teams are going to see that and then just, you know, go through the motions, go up there, take your bats. Not necessarily, like, they're not, no one's going to get out on purpose ever, but really not, you know, taking it pitch by pitch or really grinding out on a bat. Just, you know, all right, let's 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 get going. We got a, we got a flight to catch tonight, you know. Got to get on the plane, head out to the West Coast. It's very, you know, you could see where people might not be in it. But, I mean, that was the exact opposite. Um, we scored two. I mean, we left a couple stranded. I mean, you would have liked to see Didi at least uh, at least battle in his at-bat, you know. Because, I mean, one out, running on second and third, just a base hit's going to score two, put another one on like on on the bases. That would have been a very good situation, especially, you know, having Gio come up, who's been really, really on fire for the last, since two months, it seems like. I don't, he's been unreal, but, you know, it didn't happen. It is what it is. We didn't get the job done, but, I mean, like I said before, there's so many teams that aren't even going to 
give the effort like we did there in the ninth inning, which is promising when it comes to see those kind of games that, you know, you may be facing a late deficit in the postseason. But, I mean, you expect everyone to show up for those games. But, I mean, when you have people showing up for the middle of August games where, you know, it's a split, you got a long long trip ahead of you later that night, like, that's just promising to me. I see a lot of value in that from our guys. And I really – it's nice to see because, I mean – we're never out. Like, like you always see on Twitter, 27 outs. Don't. It's an, it ain't over till it's over type situation. But. So I mean, that's kind of the quick recap of the series split. You'll take it. We didn't gain any. We didn't lose any. Essentially. Um, so I'll go into my MVP for the series, which it's really not much based on performance because I mean he only had three hits for the series, but. I mean, he fires me up, and it's uh, my guy, Mr. Brett Gardner. He wins the MVP for me because obviously all the stuff that happens, but I'm just a big advocate for people not just ignoring the situation that comes their way. Like, he could have just taken the, the high road and just been like, you know what, I shouldn't have done it, I won't do it, yada, 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 just very bland. I apologize, nothing should have ever happened. But instead, I mean, he faces it. He's like, someone, something's got to happen. He, he's like being vocal about saying someone has to put these guys in check. And I absolutely love that. And, I mean, I get both sides of the argument with him, you know, banging the bat on the roof or whatever. Some people don't exactly love it because they're like, there's people watching. There's kids watching. Do you really want to set that example for them? But on the same side, like, there's plenty of other people that are doing far worse things. Like he's just banging on, like taking out frustrations without actually, you know, breaking a helmet, breaking a bat, you know, smashing monitors, whatever it may be, throwing coolers. You know, there's, I mean, people do all kinds of things all the time. He's just the first one to do this, I guess, really. And the umpires just don't like it, which is absurd. But I mean, that's we kind of already talked about that earlier, but. <sighs> I, I mean, it's going to suck next year because, I mean, we have essentially, assuming that, you know, we don't re-sign Gardy, but we have him and CC both gone next year. And really, those are two, like, the main and only guys that are going to actually, like, puff their chest when it comes to the umpires and, like, make a make something out of anything. They're not, I mean, yeah, you have Booney that's going to go out there and get in the umpire's ass or whatever, but, I mean, that's a manager. You expect that. We really don't have any other players that are that kind, those kind of people, which, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that you have to have people that are arguing with umpires or whatever, but, like, none of the rest of them, I mean, like, Judge, I mean, he's never going to absolutely go off, I mean, that's just not his personality, he kind of, he's that kind of high road guy, which, that's what makes him who he is, and I absolutely love that from him, but there's no one that's just, you know, going to get fed up and fired up at the umpires, so, none of them are going to push the envelope or whatever, but, It'll be interesting next year to see that kind of dynamic if we both have, or if we don't have Guardy as well, depending if they re-sign him for another year or whatever. But, yeah, so he's my MVP for the series just because he fires me up, and I know he fires the guys up. I mean, you saw Judge in the fourth game, you know, got on base and did a little kind of not replace the four fingers, but like banging his bat or whatever motion and, I mean, it's like the thumbs down thing that came late in the season and was it 2017, Clint Frazier and that guy, that guy from the Mets game or whatever. I mean, 
who knows? It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out coming in late season and then next year when you don't have those guys. But So upcoming, we have three games set in Oakland, which I hate that place. I mean, I really hope they get a new stadium or whatever or just move because that place sucks. But we have our, our guy going game one, which is exactly what you want. I mean, so it's Herman, who's 16 and 2, 396 ERA versus Homer Bailey, who's 10 and 8 with a 522. Now, he did go seven shutout innings in his last start. I think it was against the maybe the Rays. I, I'm not too sure. I could honestly care less about Homer Bailey. But in addition to that, so that was his best start that he'd had with the A's since they acquired him. But I mean, we faced him back when he was with the Royals earlier this year. I mean, he kept us to one run. But I've seen Homer Bailey live way too many times because, I mean, I interned for the Louisville Bats for a while. And, I mean, he was making rehab assignments or quote-unquote rehab assignments. They were just finding reasons to not have him on the major league roster, really. But he's just – he's so bad. Like, when you're if you're a pitcher and your name's Homer, I mean, you're just playing with extra time anyway. I mean, you're playing with the house money because – he gives up so many home runs, ironically, and I mean he's got a five two two ERA, but he sells a winning record very J A Hap like, <laughs> and I mean I know how most people, even Yankee fans, feel about J A Hap. So hopefully he has a more traditional Homer Bailey like start and not like the one that he had his previous outing. But you know I think with Herman it doesn't matter what kind of start he has because Domingo's going to go out there and absolutely shove. So. That's who we got going game one. Game two, we have Jay Happ, who's now 10-7 and seven with a 540 ERA. He's going against Mike Fires, who's 11-3 with a 346 ERA. And luckily for Mike Fires, John Carlo isn't playing. But unfortunately for Mike Fires, John Carlo is making the trip. And I think, now I don't know this to be fact, but I assume that John Carlo is going only because we're playing the A's and it's against Mike Fires because... I mean, he's just going to stand on the top of the steps and just pretty much give him the Giancarlo death stare the whole game that he's, the whole time that he's pitching. And, you know, I don't hate that tactic. You know, just put fear into Mike Fire's eyes because you know he's going to be absolutely trembling trying to pitch against anyone when he knows you just have Giancarlo staring down his neck the whole time. But that should be a. I expect that to be a pretty close game. Now, I don't know if necessarily it'll be a low-scoring game, especially with Hap throwing and fires going on the other side, but a good game, I do think, is it'll end up being. But then, so in Game 3, we got Tanaka, who's 9-6 and six now with a 4-5-6 ERA, versus Tanner Roark, who's 7-8 and eight with a 4-0-1 ERA. I mean, I haven't heard anything about Tanner Roark since he got traded. And before he got traded, I hadn't heard anything about him since the Reds acquired him in the offseason. So, I mean, he's having kind of a very a mellow, middle-of-the-line type of year. But sometimes those guys always bring their – they tend to always bring their A game against the Yankees. So, it'll be interesting to see that matchup. But hopefully Tanaka can keep building off what he has been doing, which would be fantastic for us because, 
I mean, if you get him going into the month of September and just keep rolling right into August, or October rather, big game Tanaka's going to show up and he's going to give you the eight innings of zero to one run and just be absolutely lights out. So that's what we need. Hopefully he can build off what he's been doing. But that's a, that's what we got to look forward to. Going to be some very late nights, unfortunately. That's what I hate most about these West Coast road trips is, I mean, you just have to set. I mean, I get done, you know, working 5 o'clock, and now I still got five hours till game time. Like, those are the things that you just have to live with because, I mean, we get pampered all the games that they play over here. And, you know, we actually get to see some of these people, especially, I mean, the series after that when we go, we play in L.A. against the Dodgers. We don't get to see very many Dodger games, or at least people aren't staying up for the Dodger games. But now we have a reason to, so, I mean, there's pros with the cons in every type of situation, especially with these, but it's just something we have to live with. So, we're going to move on and get into this day in Yankees transaction history. And this one I kind of really had to, you know, map out because, like last show, there really weren't too many things to happen on this date throughout the like recent history of the New York Yankees, but I did find something that was kind of interesting. So on August 18th, 2009, the New York Yankees signed John Ryan Murphy to a minor league contract, and he eventually turns into Aaron Hicks, and for that, I am oh so grateful, because I cannot imagine not having Aaron Hicks in a Yankee uniform. I mean, the only thing I even heard about him before he was a Yankee was that incredible throw he had from like right field where he threw out somebody at third and it was like 102 miles an hour or whatever. So I was like, oh, yeah, we would like to see that. And thankfully we have. I mean, you go back to that situation in Minnesota where he makes the game-saving catch, which I don't know if any of you saw. We had that situation where... There was a, a guy on Yankees Twitter that made a big push and actually successfully, at least when it came to Twitter, made the push to make sure that he kept the uh, catch of the year or best catch, you know, whatever thing that uh, MLB Network does. And they both had 50%, but Hicks's was blue because I assume it's like a, by a vote or two. And they said on uh, MLB, uh, whatever it was, the rundown, that Acuna's catch overtook him and you know I gotta shout out my guy Russ because I mean he did everything he could in that last hour I mean he absolutely worked his ass off and hopefully come next week when they do it again that they actually show that Hicks won and they don't ride Acuna's catch because if you look at the Twitter poll it says that Hicks won so but hopefully Kind of hopping backs on, hopping back, just kind of on Hicks a little bit. I mean, hopefully we get some new, good news after the allotted two additional weeks that you know they're making sure that his arm was resting before he started throwing again. Because I mean, we're gonna need him for the postseason, and I'd like to have him get some, kind of get back in the groove of things before October. It's kind of like what John Carlos said; he'd like to have at least two weeks of at bats before October. Which I mean, personally. If we can't get him back before the first or second week of September anyway, I don't know if I want him in October. Just, I mean, just from a pitch recognition standpoint, but 
I mean, that's another discussion for another day, but that's going to do it for me. I don't really have anything else to talk about except for just the fact that we look forward to, you know, taking a series out in Oakland, hopefully anyway, and, you know, let's get back home. Let's get, we got nine games out in the West. Let's, at the very least, go six and three, or, you know, I'll take five and four, the worst case scenario, but let's just get back home and, you know, finish out strong and that's going to really kind of wrap it up for me, but I appreciate you all for listening, and you'll see us again, oh, I guess it'd be either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, depending on, you know, recording times after this Oakland series, but until then, you know, always follow our Twitter, at pinstripe underscore pod, for the pinstripe pride, po- pinstripe pride podcast Twitter, and I mean, if you want to as well, you know, give my account a little follow. It's at Coach Judge ninety nine. I like to think I give you know some interesting little details and you know insights that some people don't think about. But till next time, let's go Yankees.